0: Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle podcast on a Monday. It's November already. November 1st, and we're going to talk about some USC football homecoming weekend. The Trojans get a seven-point win over the Arizona Wildcats in the Coliseum. And now they're going to head on the road for a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about what Coach Harvey Hyde saw. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, for all of his content. we got some unfortunate news we'll talk about at the top of the show. But if you have any questions or comments, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Got a bunch of emails today. You can also call or text us at 424-254-9141. We got a couple of texts and a voicemail to play for you. And of course, if you have Apple Podcasting, the Apple Podcasting app on your iPhone or our Apple device, if you follow us there and leave us a five-star rating, it really does help. The show, the show's been growing throughout the season and more and more people listening, especially as we get closer to finding out who the next head coach of the USC Trojans is going to be. But today we're going to focus on the game that was over the weekend. We're going to do that with the coach. But, Coach, welcome in. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing fine, buddy. Um, It's great to be back. Uh, It's been a quick week and another great football weekend. And uh, I know we got to talk about homecoming and the Trojans and the victory over Arizona blowout 41-34. And uh, depending what half you look at, okay? And, uh, you know, all the things I saw, all the things that the other people saw and uh, what you saw, and uh, we'll give them uh, our opinion. They have their opinion, and we'll move forward. Let's get started. Break the huddle.
0: That sounds good, Coach. But first, we have to start off uh, with some unfortunate. Breaking news about uh, USC's star receiver, uh, Drake London. He went down in the game. You remember catching that touchdown pass and, was down on the ground. Didn't look uh, didn't look great. They had a cart out there right away. Actually, he was down right near the tunnel. So the cart was right there. Put an air cast on him. We got to see him in the tunnel after the game. Uh, he came back out in crutches. Was carted out, but was on the sideline in the second half. On crutches, trying to encourage the team. And uh, we were just hearing rumblings, coach. We got confirmation it was an ankle injury from Dante Williams uh, that night. He said on Sunday night he was going to be... Um, he's out for the season uh, with a fracture of that ankle. So we we knew it was an ankle. We kind of heard some rumblings, coach, of what it was going to be, but just we're kind of waiting for the official word. And we got it uh, on Sunday night. So he's out with a fractured ankle for the rest of the season. Obviously, it was you know record-setting performance this season. It could have easily won the Bolitnikoff Award for the best wide receiver, and if USC was really any good at football. He could have been a potential Heisman candidate, the numbers he was putting up. I mean, just like the number of contested catches, uh, you know, like six, seven, eight more than the next highest person in the country, um, just dominating in the Pac-12, dominating USC's targets and receptions and just making big plays, yards after contract. Whatever you wanted him to do, he was able to do. But unfortunately, the one one of the bright spots, I guess you could say, of watching this USC football team coach was watching Drake London play. Unfortunately, USC fans will not be able to do that for the rest of the season. Want to get your thoughts.
1: Well, uh, I think that if you've been around uh, football long enough and you had a chance to see the answer replay, you knew immediately what it was. It wasn't a sprain. It was a break. I said that immediately. I don't even know if I tweeted it out after the quarter or not or halftime or whatever, but I could tell by watching the replay it was a break, a fracture. And when they bring out that little cast to blow up then you definitely know it is and uh and sometimes you know those things heal pretty quickly and i i don't think it'll uh enhance or hurt his playing career in the nfl and uh, uh want to wish him the best and you he, and he's all of what you said he was ryan as far as i've talked to secondary coaches in the the pac 12 just talking to them how the you would play him or i would play him as far as if you played against that type of receiver and They've all said the same thing. He's a great player, and he'll play on Sunday. So that's the best compliment you can get is when a coach says he'll play on Sunday. And, uh, you know, it's it's a big loss to USC. In fact, he's uh, he's the offense at USC. I mean, nine catches in the first half. What do you do when you don't have your offense? And I think it certainly showed that in the second half when you're outscored 20-6 to six by the same football team. And uh, they're not they weren't prepared as far as preparing their team for the loss of London. And what would you do if you lost London? Because he's the guy you go to all the time, no matter if it's deep pass or one yard, to, you know, run one yard out or whatever the, this bubble screen, whatever you're going to do. He's the guy you're going to go to. So now they're going to have to regroup and they have great receivers. They should be able to replace him, but not at the same level. But they weren't ready to do that there at the time, and they almost lost the game. They came with an onside kick of possibly, I'm saying possibly of losing the game, and they were forced to go to the running game because they didn't know what to do with the passing game. And uh, it uh, matured, and the good thing that they've been working on that was uh, Ingram had a nice day, and in fact he would have had a great day, maybe over 300 yards, and been the leading rusher in the country. I think he was the third leading rusher in the country This past weekend, uh, he'd have 300 yards probably without the penalties that he suffered. So I think they've got a lot of things to look at. Replacement of London, penalties, uh, their uh, play-action pass, the mobility of the quarterback. I think they have a quarterback controversy now. Uh, What about their defense, giving up 466 yards? Uh, One of the things I thought that was the most discouraging is you come back from Notre Dame at South Bend where you have a sellout and all the recruits are on the sideline and your players are out there looking around, seeing all of this. And you come back to the Coliseum on homecoming and you come out on the field for warm-ups and there's no one in it. And then later on they start to come and you, you know they have an announced crowd or whatever it was, 50, but it probably was you were there, 35 maybe, at your homecoming. So that's not a good sign. It's for Trojan football and the players and the recruits that you have at your recruiting. So, you know, things have got to be changed, and it's got to be changed in a hurry. And uh, I can think that everybody would see what I saw. And if you were at the game, you saw the same things. And uh, I think it's now time that they uh, move forward. And before, you know, TCU, that job opened today. So now with all these jobs opening, you better move forward and fuel the jet. And start so making some trips uh, if they haven't made some already.
0: Yeah, they got to get uh, get going on this. USA had a head start, but there's a, there's people catching up with uh, more job openings. Um, yeah, they got to move forward. And they got to move quick uh, to kind of get the guy that they want. You mentioned um, Keontae Ingram, so we talked to Dante Williams uh, about that a little bit. Or he brought this up that he, they counted and they said there was 133 yards taken away by penalty for Ingram. He would have had, I think, you know, 340 yards or something like that, something crazy without all those penalties. So, it's, I mean, it's good to see the run game going, but, uh, I mean, a little discouraging that, all, you know, 133 yards were taken away from one player.
1: Well, it is, and uh, that is discouraging, and that's the penalty portion of it. But the thing, too, are you losing your identity? All of a sudden, we've been talking about what's the identity of USC Trojan football on the offensive side. Is it the air raid attacked or now is it the running game? Well, I think it should, uh, everyone's been saying it should be balanced and you should have a complete series of, you know, rollouts, counters, all the different things, powers, traps, lead up through, all these different things that you should have so that you're capable of being a running team and a passing team. And if you do lose your top receiver or whatever, uh, you're still able to win a football game. Fortunately, uh, Arizona wasn't as stout as what they could have been if they were another team and you were able to run the football and they did a good job of doing that. And I think uh, you've got to give them credit for that. The back uh, and also the offensive line as far as being able to win the football game and the trenches. Now, is that something that was a great accomplishment? I don't know. Arizona's not the best football team in the world, but you did prove something to yourself that the running game is important. So if they didn't have any running game or didn't work on the running game or didn't believe in the running game whatsoever, where would they have been? They wouldn't have been able to win that football game. So if nothing else, it taught Graham Harrell that you better have a running game when you can't throw the football.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Um, you know, you need you need that, uh, that you need the running game, and it showed that they had that. So um you know, if you have to run the ball, it looks like USC could, but that was against Arizona, like you mentioned. So take it with a grain of salt. Um, I wanted to uh, talk about the defense a little bit. And I got to ask Dante Williams on Sunday night about this. And he sort of, I, it was basically the general sense of the defense, especially in the Coliseum. When you look at Stanford, um, what they score? 45? I forget what their score was. But yeah, they that was the most points Stanford has scored all season or since. Um, same thing with Oregon State. I think it was tied for the most that Oregon State had scored in the 40s. Uh, Utah scored 42. I think they scored 44 this past weekend. But at the at the time USC played them, and and since then up until the you know the last game, that's the most points Utah scored all season. And then Arizona was, I believe, the last um, FBS team to not get to the 20 point mark. And USC obviously allows more than that. Uh, so what, I mean, it was, you know, the high water mark for all these teams in the Coliseum. I asked, you know, uh, Dante Williams about it. He sort of talked about some of the mistakes and the explosive plays that USC allowed to Arizona, but didn't really address it's in the entirety. It's not just one game. This has been a consistent thing. Pac-12 opponents in the Coliseum, they have their best offensive day. And I don't know if you've seen something like that before coach, but I mean, it seems really concerning. Um, The amount of talent that's on the defense, but the way it's performing. uh, I don't know. I wanted to get your thoughts on that, why the defense is allowing so many points.
1: Well, first of all, I I can't figure out exactly what system they're running. You've got the number one defensive recruit in the country, Corey Foreman, number one defensive recruit in the country, standing on the sideline waving a towel. Now, I don't know if any other university, uh, your number one recruit in the country, would be waving a towel on the sideline, okay? I would think you'd design a type of defense where you'd have Jackson and Foreman on the field at the same time, along with some of these other great players that you have. You're not lacking. Now, in the interior line, you'd have to do some changes or make some adjustments on what front you might run. And there's no question I'd be having the two top, maybe two top, not the only top. The one at kid at Oregon's a great player. Coming across the line of scrimmage and just causing havoc, just driving people crazy where well, they know, hey, we can't do this, we can't do that, we've got to run inside, we've got to try to do this. And because you've got two crazy people coming up the field and, you know, going inside, outside, doing everything that you can do to disrupt a complete offense. But for some reason, they decided not to do that. They got one guy waving a towel on the sideline and the other guy coming once in a while and then dropping back. And then in the secondary, they've got the players wrote so many rotations going on in the secondary that I don't know if they're preparing for next year or the following year or whatever, but my best players should be on the field. This is not an intramural program where everybody has the opportunity to play. You better have the best players out there. Don't prepare for the next coach. You better start finding a way to win yourself because you're being evaluated as a football coach throughout the country when you apply for another job. So, you know, there's a lot of questions in the coaching field or the coaching world where people say, uh, don't be preparing for next year, but you might not be there. You better get your best players out there and go for it and design something that's going to stop somebody. And, of course, you know, this is something that, of course, I I don't know what the schemes are or what they're trying to do. I see the same game, but all I know is I don't see the right players in the football game, and I see half the players that are on full scholarship during cheerleader activities. Now, uh, to me, uh, I didn't go to USC to be a song girl. I went to USC to be a football player. And of course, it's important when players get into the game and coaches get into the game and you turn around and you're excited, it's a big game, and you stimulate the crowd and the band's going and everything else. The coach says the same thing. But the cheer... Like that, uh, what are you going to do, put your helmet down and hold a towel? you got to wear a helmet and be in the game and be on the sideline and be part of the game and know what's going on and listen to the plays and, you know, be ready to play. So, you know, there's a lot of things I don't agree with, but I think the things that Coach Williams has to address, he can't change, okay? He's part of the defense. He's the one that is part of the defensive coordinator. He's not gonna change the schemes at this time. It's too late. You could do the things, but right now, you know, you'd have to make a lot of changes in people. Then your kids would think that, you know, why are you changing? Why are we changing? Because we are not any good. And why don't we do this earlier and all of the above? But they only practice about two days a week, so they can't put a new front end and this and that. But I know one thing that I, that I see is they're not running the right schemes. They're playing too many players. You don't have a regular routine going on. The players at times seems like they're confused. Their tackling isn't that good. People escape. They're scrambling. They've got a quarterback plumber, the only quarterback on scholarship at Arizona, running like he's like Anthony Davis. I mean, what are you talking about? I mean, uh, we're making other teams, or USC is making other teams look like their athletes are unbelievable. Well, they're not. I mean, he wasn't even a scholarship, plays a plumber, but he went into the game and went under center, and I talked to the Arizona coach later on, and I said, I'll tell you what I was uh, impressed with with you is when your quarterback went under center, he was a better football team because you had a series, and it fit him, and you had play-action pass, and he scrambled up the middle. He scored a couple of touchdowns, and your offense came alive. I said, you know, the old guy under center isn't a bad thing to have once in a while. So, you know, even when I see people killing the clock, when they snap the football to kill the clock, I just have a heart attack thinking if the snap was bad, what might happen? So, uh, you know, USC snaps the ball and the quarterback runs up and then puts his knee down. I don't know why he runs, down, runs up because he probably doesn't want to have minus yardage. But, uh, you know, those are the things I see on the defensive side. And since you asked me, I'm basically telling you. Yeah. I mean, that's really the true facts, whether you people believe me or not. That's my opinion. That's I, all.
0: I got a Coach. So you know Jed Fish? Is that, is that who you talk to?
1: I, I can't tell you who I talk
0: oh, to. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's, that's, that was interesting. He's a, he's a really interesting dude. So unfortunate. The team has lost 20 games in a row. He's got them fighting pretty hard. Uh, one last thing, Coach, before we jump into questions. You mentioned this a little bit earlier, uh, the two quarterback system. So we heard from Dante Williams, Graham Harrell, Jackson Dart, Keaton Slovis after the game. And there, you know, a lot of there's some uncertainty of like when people were told. The the quarterbacks both said they learned on Friday night. Um, it sounded like the plan was just to have Jackson Dart come into the third series, but the second series was a quick touchdown, so they let Keaton Slovis play one more. He actually had a long drive on that series, but it stalled out. Um, they didn't get any points on it. And then we saw Jackson dart, but D- dart came into the fourth quarter when USC was only down seven, it was still a close game, but they said that that was just the plan. It was sort of just like a schedule and it didn't really matter what was going on in the game. Uh, I think they were hoping, um, to, you know, to have a big lead. Obviously they didn't at that point, it was a one score game and USC ends up getting a field goal. But, uh, yeah, Keen Slovis, uh, you know, I, I got to talk to him and ask him about the difficulties of it. And he said, you know, it's hard because you're coming off the bench and you're not really into the game or you're not, you know, it's, it's hard to know what's going on. He said there was that pick six he had. He didn't realize that that defender, the linebacker was sort of like playing the playing out, uh, you know, some of those out routes and it was doing that against dart. And so he didn't really get to see it personally until he saw it up close when, uh, Anthony Pandy picked off that ball and ran it in for a touchdown. And, so there was some of that, and he he wanted to know why. He's like, is there something I did? And it sounded just like they just wanted to get some kind of spark going. But it was uh, it was interesting, for sure. The fans have been asking for Jackson Dart. I mean, if you say anything nice about Keaton Slovis' coach, some of the fans just get on you. Like, you're a Keaton Slovis lover, and blah, 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 and he's terrible. And I just don't think all the problems the USC's offense are having are on Keaton Slovis. He's not played great, but there's some fans that just want to crucify him for whatever reason. It's like, it just seems like that's the easy thing to do. I'll put the backup quarterback in. It's going to be way better. It's like, okay. Um, I don't know if it's going to be way better. We saw dart against Washington state and now Arizona. I like the way he's played. Uh, but overall your thoughts on the two quarterback system and how those guys uh, perform.
1: Well, I think, uh, half of what they might tell you is truth is the truth as far as not having a plan I, I if you tell me you don't have a plan or there's no plan or they did have a plan but they didn't follow their plan then i don't know what's going uh, who's 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 got the dog on the leash or who's who's leading the dog or who's making the calls on this type of thing and as far as the adjustment adjustment should be told to all quarterbacks should not just be the quarterback's responsibility to see how number 8 the middle linebacker is playing to slant to take that away. I think that's something that you more or less pass on to all quarterbacks when you're on the sideline communicating together or during the break so that no matter who's in the game, people understand what adjustments the defense makes. That's my answer to that one. And I also think that uh, don't tell me you don't. It depends. Uh, we're going to put you, we're going to do this rotation no matter what the score is. I don't. I don't really believe that either. Because you don't know what the down distance, you don't know what the time of the game is, you don't know exactly what the situation is, you don't know anything, you're going to play the player that uh, you feel you have the best chance to win with. And that's going to happen at every position, not just quarterback. Now, as far as, uh, I think it's uh, not very uh, uh, good. Uh, I'm not saying it's something that isn't exciting to hear for a kid, but like, But I think it's uh, not really real great sportsmanship when you cheer for a quarterback coming on the field and you don't cheer for the other one that's been there for three years that you're touting for a Heisman Trophy at the beginning of the year. I think that's outright cruel, okay? I don't think – but it's not his fault. It's not all his fault. It's basically what they're trying to do. And they put him in that position back there where he's not the great athlete or he's not the athlete possibly – that Dart is, but Dart can escape a lot of those things and make it happen because he has better wheels, and he utilizes his he wheels a little bit better than what <coughs> Slovis does, excuse me, and he's a little bit more physical, and it can avoid some of the things that maybe Keaton can't avoid. So it's not just the quarterback situation and the play of the quarterback. I think it's what you're doing with the quarterback, and, you know, Dart sort of reminds me a little bit of Arnold. Sam Darnold, but he got himself out of so many darn situations as far as running on the throw and throwing the guys that went in the route wasn't even called. They just found somebody and threw it in them It was a touchdown. He's sort of that type of guy as far as making something happen that wasn't planned. I mean, he is a physical type of kid. He's a bigger kid, and he could do things that Slovis can't do because he's more of a second running back, which Slovis isn't. Yet I mentioned it last week I saw him run down a linebacker and tackle him in the end zone or damn near the end zone where they got three points instead of seven. So you know it, I think a lot of it goes both ways. It's not just the players it's coaching and, and the philosophy and the kids understanding what you're trying to obtain now how could a player say I really don't know what I did wrong or they never told me what I did wrong or when they came out or so and i I did an MC two weeks ago at the Rose Bowl, okay? and they named Tunnel 8 in the Rose Bowl, and I, I have emceed the event for Cade McNown. And uh, I was there, and I and I introduced Mrs. Donahue, and she came up and spoke, and she says, I'll never forget when Cade threw an interception. This is the team that they had at UCLA that was going to win the national championship. It was a great team. He never lost to USC. He won four times, and he ran out of the field after he threw an interception, and he grabbed me by the head both hands are on my side of my ears. And he says, don't you dare take me out. Don't you dare take me out. I know what I did wrong. I won't do it again. So that shows you what a winner is. And, you know, he knew what he did wrong and you've got to give kids encouragement when th- times aren't the greatest. And Terry left, let him back in the game and he played and, you know, he became an All-American. He's in the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame. He's now going into the College Football Hall of Fame. And he's in the Bruin Hall of Fame. But, you know, this way you treat kids, but you run offenses that fit your personnel. And right now, it, it, they have no run series. You know, out of that run that they did, that Ingram was having a lot of success after, you didn't see any bootleg action or anything to hold the backside. Just can you can you imagine if something came back the other way? Or if the quarterback bootleg back the other side and he hit the tight end on a drag and a corner and a flat route, or he, I mean, there's none of that. There's no imagination. So you know, how many times do I have to say this? So it's not all one-sided, but it's the way you treat your players and the way they understand why certain things are happening, then they understand. But right now, you can't ask either one of them what's going on.
0: Yeah, uh, Slovis for the night was 15 of 21. Uh, 204 yards, two touchdowns. He had a 62 yard, the long one Sacked a couple times. He had that one pick and dart was 12 of 18, 109 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, wasn't sacked. His long was only 19 yards, no interceptions, no fumbles for, for either guy. Uh, you know, one of the weird things I want to mention coach real quick before we go to questions. I, when I asked Dante Williams about the, the issues with the defense and one of the things he brought up, he said, uh, Jamire Joyner, like he was, um, he's like, he was a wildcat guy, but he was a quarterback in this game. And I remember asking Williams about Joyner, like heading into the game. It's not like this was some mystery, but it sounded like, well, they did some stuff we didn't see. Like Joyner was back there as a quarterback. He had that 73 yard touchdown, um, but he, you know, he threw five passes. He was two of five. It wasn't like, it was a huge part. You know, he got that one big touchdown early on, but. That was a weird one for me, coach. I'm like, I literally asked you about Joyner like heading into the game. And then afterwards, you're like, yeah, Joyner wasn't just like a wildcat. He was like a quarterback. Um, uh, To me, it was more concerning that Plummer like had the most anything he's ever done, you know? (laughs) Like they still sacked him four times, but he moved the ball a lot better than he's ever, than we've seen him go on. But I, I just thought that was a weird one, coach.
1: Well, you know, he's in a difficult situation. He's trying to be a head football coach. Uh, he's not going to change the offense. He's not going to change the defense. He's more or less uh, in control and responsible for it. And, and probably he's not watching as much film and he's getting confused. And he, right now he's got his back against the wall and he's really not used to press conferences like this. So he doesn't know what to say. I mean, I can see that happening. I mean, I really I want to stick up for the guy in that type of things because it's very difficult to say exactly what you're supposed to say in the proper way, answer the question, but say it where it's, where it's understood in a way you want it understood and printed. You can't just beat around the point, but the media's not dumb, okay? The, the, the people that ask you these questions are smart, and if you start misleading them, Then you're going to start seeing articles and discussions like you're having with me now. And it's going to make you and put you in a worse limelight than what you were. You're better off to say we screwed that up or I made that call. I won't make that call again. And we made a mistake there. It's my fault, not the kid's fault. Uh, What's next? What about the starting quarterback? Who's going to start? Well, I don't know who's going to start, but uh, I'll tell you what, you'll know when the game starts. (laughs) Uh, rather than to, you know, mislead you guys. Uh, Because I'm not quite sure I'm going to tell him after I watch warm-ups, and that's the way it goes. Or why did you do those rotations, the way he rotated them? I really don't know why we did it. We probably screwed it up. We were in, in after losing London, we didn't know what to do. We felt maybe Jackson Dart could run a little bit more and had a little bit more athletic ability. Uh, I mean, you know, give a little football answer with it, too, not a bunch of strategies and this and that, and And uh, just a bunch of conversation. But again, you know, he's learning this, and it's not an easy thing to do. And again, he's not going to tell Graham Harrell what to do. He's not. I'm going to tell you that right And He might tell him on the ball, but you think he might listen. He might not. Or he tells Orlando what to do. I'm not quite sure uh, what he's doing on that side of the football. When I watch him, he's more or less a head coach, not telling either one what to do except for maybe through the uh, the headset. So, you know, I I don't know what to tell you on that, but uh, because I'm not there, but it's just what I observe, and I don't go to press conferences, so I really don't ask questions, and they probably don't want me there because I might ask questions that are pretty difficult.
0: One real uh, quick thing: uh, they did announce uh, kickoff. So USC goes on the road for back-to-back weeks. We found out that Arizona State, um, the Arizona State game was going to be at 7:30 on ESPN. Um, Pacific time. So USC, Arizona State next weekend. And the following weekend, November 13th, uh, USC will be at Cal. That's going to be early kickoff, 1230 p.m. And that's going to be on FS1, just so people know. And uh, then they return home for a couple more. You got UCLA and BYU. So two road games, and then USC comes back home. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and answer questions about the team and the game and coaching and all of that. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Uh, Coach, let's go to an email from our buddy Steve in Seattle. It says, Ryan and Coach, thanks for all the hard work you do for us Trojan fans. I want nothing more than USC to return to greatness, but it makes me crazy to see Dart go on with that one-eye black strip down his face. That's such a look-at-me, look-at-me move and very unTrojan tradition Unified, team-like. The coaches shouldn't allow that looseness no matter how strong his arm is. Isn't that why Kiffin, Sark, and Helton were fired ultimately? Would love to hear your thoughts. Praying for London, Steve and Seattle.
1: Well, you know, kids are different today, and they they do these things, and they start these traditional things that they believe in, and if I don't do it, uh, I'm a superstitious coach. I've got to have this. I've got to have that. Uh, I mean, I've had my bouts with a lot of players on that. I mean, great players, Hickey Woods, Randall Cunningham, over things they wanted to do. But then again, I talked to them about their image and what they want to portray and and out there and what their responsibility is to the team. And like Terrell Davis, I had some things with him I had to tell him about. And, and you know, kids are funny, but I agree with Steve. I, I think I'd have a heart-to-heart talk with him saying, you know, Jackson... Uh, just, uh, just, just you know that. I know it's Halloween tomorrow, okay? And I'd, he'd look at me and laugh. I know it's Halloween, but people know who you are, okay? It's Halloween, so that mask doesn't really work. So, why don't we just do away with that? If you want just to put the straight eye liners, because there really was all designed for the sun and the glare. That's where it started, for receivers and punt return guys and so on. But to smear it all over your face, really, it's not Halloween. And I think as a type of player you are and the person you are and what we want to represent here at USC, I would appreciate I'd rather. I would make it his idea that in your long run, in the overall program and your benefit, that it's best you don't do that. And uh, I think that he would understand that being a smart kid. He would understand that you have his best interests at heart and he would do that. And I, if he didn't do that, then, you know, I'd say, you know, uh, I'm just, uh, you know, maybe you shouldn't play. And he'd look at me, i say, you're going to be crazy. And I'd say, I don't know. I mean, I, I told one of my players, I'll give you an excuse. I'll give you an example. Randall Cunningham. I was on the bone, uh, bony or pony, uh, shoe, uh, board. Okay. When, when pony shoes was part like Adidas and everything else. And, and we were signed with pony shoes, and Randall told me he didn't like pony shoes. I was really? Well, what shoe? And he told me what shoe he liked. I said, well, you're going to wear a pony shoe. And if you don't wear a pony shoe, we're going to take the shoe you have, and we're going to make it a pony shoe. And He said, well, how are you going to do that? And I told him how we're going to do that. We're going to paint it up and put the stripe on it. We'll take the other team's shoe off, and you're going to wear a pony stripe. That's just the way it's going to be. Oh, well, man, I, you know, you always, I say, hey, Randall, Grow up. Just grow up. This isn't a beach party, okay? We've got a program. Grow up. I'm going to let you wear your shoe, but we're going to spat it out and make it where it looks like the way it's supposed to be on national television. Why in the hell do you think that Pony sponsors it? Because we have our players wear it, and I wear a shirt that says Pony on it with with their insignia, insignia. So grow up. I just told him like that. Grow up, and all of a sudden, everything was fine. Well, sometimes you have to tell kids, you know, we're not in a sandbox any longer. You're not on the swings any longer. It's time now to, you know, graduate and go to the next level. So sometimes a, a head coach after has to, you know, tell them. Sometimes, like your parent tells your kid, you're not going to play in the street anymore. And I think this is the way you got to handle that. I really, in the best interest of the player.
0: Yeah, coach. All right. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't have an issue with the. It's kind of cool looking, but whatever. I mean, I, I get it. Like,
1: well, you don't you don't have an issue with it because you don't know the whole background on it. What if they? What if they all decided to have their own look? Yeah, all of them. Now, tell me, what would that look like? It'd look like a circus, wouldn't it? I why mean, if they they're just, wearing why don't different, we wear cl- why don't we wear clown uniforms?
0: I mean, they're it's a helmet. You got a helmet over their face, so like if they're gonna,
1: well, you know, but it's the point of being a team. You ever heard of being a team? Everybody looking the same and doing the same thing?
0: Yeah. I mean, no,
1: just think about that.
0: I get it. I mean, I think there's, I think for the, if you want to, you want to look at them. And if I look at the team, I don't look at Jackson Dart from his uniform and like, okay, he looks different just when he takes. I
1: do. You don't notice that some socks or some guys have one sock high, one sock low, or Drake London has his socks real low and the other socks are up high. You don't notice that's a.
0: Well, I, yeah, I do.
1: I, Tell me the truth. Tell I'm me good the with, truth. No, I
0: don't notice that, but I, I would be good with that, that they should all do the same thing. Unless it's Drake London, he can do whatever the hell he wants. But
1: um, No, I don't buy that either. If it's something under leader, his helmet,
0: I'm like, uh, you know.
1: Can, he's your captain. He's your captain. He's playing for the Trojan. He's going to be a Blitnikoff winner. He's going to be a first-round draft choice. You want endorsements. You want people that love that kid. They already love him, but you're doing it for his best interests. Yeah. It's not all about me. It's about us. And I disagree with you. You know why? It's just our opinion. I like it. That's a, all. I like it, Coach. You got your opinion. I yeah. got my opinion, okay? Maybe I'm a little bit too old school, you know? It's all right, but,
0: Coach. Uh, That's why we got you on. Uh, we want the different opinions. Uh,
1: okay, sir, we
0: got a lot of old-time listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Uh, sir Eric of Troy texted in. He said, Coach Hyde, I heard you say the coaches would not just be mailing in their performances because they are now essentially auditioning. For other jobs. Well, if that's true, Todd Orlando must be planning to apply at a dairy farm because his defensive scheme has more, has more holes in it than a pound of Swiss cheese. Did Helton get fired? Uh, have any effect on his coaching? Personally, I don't see how, but I'll yield to your expert answer. Thanks, Coach uh, from Sir Arc of Troy.
1: Well, I don't think Helton's firing has helped the team any. I don't think they're playing any better. Than if he'd have been the head football coach, uh, I'll be honest with you there, I think they're the same team. Uh, maybe the secondary would have been playing better because Dante would have still been the secondary coach. Uh, uh, I don't know if the record, what the record would have been, but uh, I think that the kids liked him and I think they played for him. I think the public liked him. I think that the controversy out there was, you know, make a change, make a change, make a change. I think the timing of the change was wrong. Uh, everybody would have been talking about who's the next coach is going to be, who's the next coach is going to be or whatever. But, uh, you know, I don't think the team's any better. I think that the defense probably been a little bit better because the secondary may have played a little bit better, but uh, no, it's hard to tell those and make those type of, uh, you know, saying, would they been better? Would they not been as good or whatever? But uh, that's what happened. That's the way it is. And, I think the best way to do it is play this season out, play for pride. When you're in this type of situation, what you tell your kids and you tell your coach, you guys, we're playing for pride. There's nobody else that cares about us more than ourselves. Let's don't embarrass ourselves. Let's go out with style, okay? I might not be your coach next year, whatever. You may transfer, whatever it is. You got to do what's best for you, but let's go out in style. Let's hit people. Let's play. Let's tackle. Let's play for ourselves. We don't care if there's anybody in the, on, in the stands. Let's go out and get it done. Let's surprise the world, at least feel good about ourselves when we come in after the game and we're together, we're flying home. We're all together. We're all part of this. If the, if the ship goes down, let's go down together. And, and that's what I would be selling the entire time for this type of football team. It's a very difficult situation. For these kids and these coaches, people don't realize that it is a very difficult situation when these coaches go home and they meet their wives and see their wives and their kids and their kids said, Daddy, you guys lost. You got fired. Hey, when I go to school, people say you're going to get fired. Hey, don't think these kids don't hear that everywhere. So it's a difficult situation. So you've got to unite under these type of situations and play for pride. That's what I used to say.
0: All right, we got a voicemail for you, Coach. Here we go. Coach Hyde, why does this team
1: continue to have players lose their helmets every week and then have to sit out of play? I don't see other teams having this problem on such a frequent basis. Thanks for your opinions and insights on this podcast. Stephen P.A. All right, he's talking about not wearing their helmets, leaving them around.
0: No, that when they come off. So helmets keep coming off during the, uh, during oh, the game. Oh,
1: yeah, okay, okay. London's came off twice during a game. And uh, who was it? The one player's helmet came off. I saw a game. What, what game was that where it came off and they didn't count the touchdown? I forget what that game was. Oh, that but was...
0: Um, no, that, that was, uh, was... Arizona, that? wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was the Arizona game where... Wait, was it? I'm blanking yeah. on it, yeah.
1: I can't remember when. I see so many games, I can't remember. But that rule, that rule, first of all, is put in there because normally you don't score a touchdown when your helmet comes off. But if you're inside and your helmet comes off, then they blow it dead, but you could really get hurt with people still coming in there. You don't see that type of situation where a helmet comes off and the guy runs for a touchdown. But uh, I, I, that is very suspicious to me. If they have enough air in their helmets... Because these guys, if you watch the pros, the pros just lift up the face mask and the helmet comes off. Because they don't. You normally a helmet, you're supposed to pull it open a little bit, and pull it down, where it's tight and snug on your head. But when it pops off that easily, I worry about the amount of air that you have in the helmet as far as it fitting properly. That's my answer. I don't know what it is, and again, it depends on if it's pulled off or whatever might happen.
0: Yeah. So that was um, what's it, it was a so it was a face mask uh on usc and yeah yeah then it was and then the helmet comes off and that's what it took it took away uh the touchdown there so yeah that was a that was a weird one it was um okay so it was uh Arizona was down seven nothing the first quarter um and oh let's see oh wait so there was that okay it's in the touchdown pass uh, crap. Okay, I forget exactly when it happened. Forget but yes, it, but
1: that's right. Everybody saw it. They know what it's yes, talking about. they
0: know what it's talking about. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, that was a that was definitely a weird one. Let's see. We got a question uh, from Stephen Los Angeles. He said, "I enjoy your candid insight about USC football. Can you help explain to the Parastyle podcast audience and me what is the definition of a Jackson Dart package for this offense? It seems to me that if Dart runs the same offense as Slovis." which you appeared to do against Arizona, then it's not a dart package. You might as well call it a sitting duck package. Um, that's Stephen Los Angeles. Yeah, and then we heard there would be dart package stuff. This was j- basically just a rotation. There wasn't – this wasn't a package. They didn't come in at a goal line. It wasn't situational. It was you get a couple series, I get a couple series. So it was definitely different than a package.
1: No, I agree with you. It's the same offense, and I explained that to you earlier, that uh, he's got better wheels and he could avoid things a little bit uh... – easier and uh you know he's a little bigger and a little more of a physical type of kid so he's got a better chance when you're a target and right now currently with the offense uh the quarterback's a target they don't move the pocket they don't do any move they don't do anything uh they just let him stand back there he hands the ball off there's no fake off the fake when the quarterback hands it off to the running back there's nothing to hold the backside or play action pass off of it and you know it's just You're a target. I always know where you're going to be. And, in fact, I'm not even going to play you for the run, okay? I'm going to leave you alone. There's no reason to even play you. I'd forget you even if you did uh, uh, run a fake out there because uh, you're not going to carry it.
0: Let's see. Let's go to uh, Ray. He says, My fear during the last couple of weeks was that the, the London kid would get hurt and no surprise that he did. Let's hope the injury heals up and his pro career won't be in jeopardy. Certainly understand the use of a two quarterback system, but I assume Slovis is a junior and he will be done with football. He may have to have been an excellent quarterback under a good offensive. He may have been an excellent quarterback under a good offensive coordinator. Wherever the, the head coach is next year has enough film on both quarterbacks to make a sound choice for the starting job. Let's hope Harold gets a high school job next year. Enough of his offense defensively. Orlando has to go. He can't scheme the defense to stop a 0 and 6 0 and 7 team. They almost got caught. Unbelievable. Let's let the new coach clean house. Let's get some quality, qualified teachers and finally the grid of get rid of all the, quote, uh, wannabe people on the sidelines. So what much of a question? Ray just had a few statements there.
1: Well, I agree with you on a lot of that. There's a lot of of wannabes. If you watch when there's timeouts and certain things happening during the game, I see guys on the field out on the field that they have no reason to be on the field. I don't know what they're out there doing, front office people or whatever. They, they should be out of the way, let the doctor work. He's doing surgery. Quit bugging the players, the patients, and let's get it done. It's like a, we study for a test all week. Now we're in the classroom. You don't see a lot of commotion in the classroom when the people are taking tests. Well, we want to pass this test and get an A. That means we win. So the most of the people that are in there are wannabes, want to be seen and so on, want to be on television. And, uh, you know, I'd keep them back out of the way. And I don't know how strong USC enforces that. Or if they let boosters go in there because they're high donors. And sometimes I can see that, too. Don't get me wrong. But I think that there's a certain area that people should stand and it should be enforced. And if there's anybody on the sideline near the players, I think it should be players of the past that the players look at. And when they look at it and say, hey, son, let's play up to our ability. OK, this is what USC is all about. And I think sometimes these players and these people forget what USC is all about. When they look back, then they see a Ron Yeri or Brad Buddy or these type of players standing behind them, and they look at them, and they say, these guys can still play. My goodness.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's see. we got a couple more for you, Coach. Um, this is a text message from Renee in Belmont Heights. Um says, hello, Peristyle. So Ryan doesn't care what kind of head coach USC gets, such as defensive or offensive. But for the sake of conversation, which style of offensive and defensive schemes should or would you like to see USC run? Like a pro-style 4-3, four, three, three, four. Uh, Thanks, Renee from Belmont Heights. And quickly for me, Renee, I, I don't mind – I don't care about any of that. I mean, you want a good scheme, but it's about the play, person you hire, and that's – if you hire someone that likes running pro-style offenses, he's the best coach for USC, then run a pro-style offense. If you hire someone that's running like the run-and-shoot or whatever – and that's what he does, and you think he's gonna be the best coach for USC, you run that. You don't hire a run and shoot guy and say, We're running the pro style. So to me, it's just more about the coordinators, everyone, the guy you're hiring, what's their specialty? You're hiring someone that has a specialty, and that's what you end up utilizing. That's what I want to see. So I don't say, Well, I want to hire someone that only runs the pro style because I feel like I'm limiting um, you know, what my choices are. You might maybe the best job, the best coach for USC is running a pro style offense. But if you find a great one, that's running something different, I would hire that guy if you think he's the best candidate, no matter what he's running. But I don't know. What do you think, Coach?
1: Well, you hire the guy that knows what he's doing and what offense is the best that he can master with the personnel that fits the competition of of what you're going to face. Like I see the other day, they offered a a, a, a lineman. You know, well, you know, that's great. But is that lineman going to beat LSU? Is that lineman going to beat Notre Dame? Whatever, you know... uh, I think it's important that I, I told you this. I, I I never recruited a player that uh, my best opponent wasn't recruiting. My top opponent. Why I'm not going to be able to beat him. So what am I going to try to outcoach somebody? Are you kidding me? I'll coach somebody. I respect that guy's coaching ability, so I'm going to respect his coaching ability. But I got to have some X's as big as his O's. So you hire someone that knows the system that best fits your personnel, your conference, your image, and what I know. And my coordinators come in to know more than I do in that area. That's why I hired them. Because I understand they're going to run my stuff. And I know what they've run. Believe me, or they wouldn't be there. Or they came with me as far as from where I was at. Because I'm going to have to teach enough people a lot of things that they, that they need to learn. And I can't teach everybody everything. So I've got to be able to come in and teach the people that need to be taught, but I've got to have guys that have seen the lights on before, that have been coordinators in big programs, that have been head coaches in big programs, that uh, when they walk in the stadium, they don't look around at the stadium like the kids do. They've already been there, and they know what can happen in that stadium if they don't play well. Yeah. But, Ryan, i got to go, buddy.
0: All right, Coach. Well, we'll uh... – We'll let you go here, and thanks so much uh, for everything. Um, sorry we didn't get to all the questions, uh, but wanted to let everyone know we'll be back this week with a couple more shows, so we'll try to get to your questions uh, then. But, Coach, thanks again, and we will talk to you next time.
1: Good, Ryan. I just want to pass out one thing. On November the 19th, we're having a, pa- a passing a quarterback club, uh, a USC-UCLA sort of Banquet. Uh, get ready to get fired up. I'm going to MC it. We've got some special people: uh, Ben uh, a Botch from the uh, uh, from the Times and uh, Ryan Katari from the Times, They're both beat writers. We're going to uh, be uh, having sort of a a question and answer. I'm going to interview them. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's the University Club in Pasadena. 25 bucks for a great lunch, and uh, you can go to Pasadena Quarterback at quarterbacks.org or go to my website and you can see that com, and you'll be able to see that event on how you can sign up for it. It's going to be a lot of fun and uh, we've got some special things going on. So Ryan, I appreciate you letting me say that. I didn't ask you before I said it. So don't edit it out.
0: Oh yes, I'm already (laughs) going to edit it out, Coach. No, no problem. Yeah, make sure you go check that out. Big one before USC-UCLA. right, that's the coach Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoy the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting.